five, four, three, two, fun. Welcome to another episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything to do with Vancouver Titans. I am Chris at Lightforce, the voice you love to hear. In fact, it's the voice that at the Vancouver Titans watch party this past weekend was told it should start a podcast or get into radio. Funny that. Joined as always by Omni at Omni Strife. Hey there, another good week for Titans. Lots of great news there. Uh, hey Sam, what do you think about Magic Johnson stepping up, stepping down from the Lakers GM spot? Well, speaking of stepping down, Sam. where is Sam? Sam, he mentioned something about downloading a patch. Like, does he have a preview <laughs> of Overwatch or something that we don't know about? Is he going to be? Is he going to be? You know, you know, a leaker now? Uh, he's on the PTR podcast, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, RSP PTR. But uh, no, Sam is not here, so it is just the Chris and Omni show. We got a lot to actually talk about. Uh, Stage two has started for the Vancouver Titans. Spoiler alert, they won. So we're going to break down that win. We'll talk a little bit about the week that is upcoming for the boys in blue and green. They got two matches, one on Thursday night, one Saturday afternoon. We've got a bad boys reference. We've got bumper going ham and kind of playing like one. We've got a whole lot of action in the fray, more player moves. It's as if they knew we were recording a podcast and wanted to rub it in a little bit by having all these other player uh, personnel moves just after we recorded the episode with Taylor. Uh, There's a new event coming up in Overwatch. So you know what? Before we actually jump into the payload, uh, Omni, you and I were at the the Vancouver Titans watch party this past weekend, the stage two... uh, open watch party and uh, we recorded a little bit so uh, why don't we throw to that are you ready here i come so this is chris at lightforce here on location with omni at the omni or at omni strength i'm never gonna get this right until you uh eventually you'll get it maybe by the by the end of uh stage four we'll stage see. four but we're here at the titans official stage two watch party against the Hangzhou Spark, we just saw the Titans remain undefeated, and we're going to get into that in our regular uh, segment, uh, the payload, uh, and Sam is here. Sam, Sam didn't come out to this, uh, this watch party. How disappointing is that? Disappointing, disappointing, really. You know, I, I, I expect that out of fans of the NBA, let me tell you. But uh, speaking of the watch party, Omni, uh, why don't we tell our listeners, those that might not have been able to come uh, down to this event, uh, what it is they missed out? Well, as you can probably hear from uh, the recording here, there's a, there's a bunch of music. You know, there's still a bunch of people here around. The atmosphere was really great. We saw a bunch of fans come out. I think actually more fans came out today than they having a finals maybe in the state in the first stage yeah definitely i mean i was here for the the finals watch party and it was considerably more people here which i think added a, a special buzz to this event right i guess just by looking at a watch party you you feel like the game the team is more tangible even before they come play here in vancouver it's really nice to see all of the fans join you see some of the management are walking around asking questions we also had some, uh, during the downtimes, we had some uh, trivia questions asked around for some uh, really, really nice merch. We also got to see uh, some, of the, some of our fans, really, which was pretty touching and uh, a bit humbling, really. 
Uh, and unfortunately, I, I, I lost my capacity to kind of uh, rub in the fact that I have uh, signed uh, Titans jersey, uh, Titans shirt, and now uh, Chris has one too. Yeah, as, uh, as we led off this episode with, that's right, I it was the gracious, gracious recipient. Like, I was floored. Um, but uh, Schmidtstorm, you might uh, see Schmidtstorm in our Discord, in the Titans Discord, he had an extra signed uh, Vancouver Titans tee. And I, I don't know what to say. I was speechless. I've never, I'm not one to be a lot of lost words. And he gave it to me um, just as a, a thank you for producing the, the content here at Rinsett Cone, as well as to uh, thank us for, for embracing the, the community and bringing it all together. I, again, I was. I scored, but I will admit, I'm also thankful that I no longer have to listen to you tell me everything that you have that I don't. Uh, I'll find something else. I'll, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Mm, you don't have wristbands, do you? No, I do not have wristbands. Well, those wristbands are the best wristbands in the world. Yeah. But uh, speaking of the, the watch party itself, uh, it was a really good atmosphere. I mean, it was obviously great that the Vancouver Titans were still rolling out the, you know, well, we actually saw more than just goats. We saw Stitch come in early on uh, when we were watching Oasis. And uh, gosh, man, let's see, him on Soldier, unbelievable. Him on Free, unbelievable. And then, I would say, you know, we'll get into it, inadequate to Zarya. They left in, uh, I would think, just because of the, the fact that the, the meta changes that uh, the Titans just wanted to make sure. But we saw you know, people cheering. We had a, well, we are table here. We yeah, it was electrifying for sure. Yep. Right. Um, there's merch sales right now. Uh, people are lined up. There's some pretty sweet New Era uh, shirts and a New Era sweater, which actually looks decent quality. So again, if you want to come down to a official Titans watch party, I encourage you to check it out. But any final words before we hang up here? Because I think it's Weezer doing their sound check in the back too. Uh, bumper on DPS. It's the truth. I have seen the light. We're undefeated with him on DPS, correct? We are. Yeah. Bumper yeah. as DPS means guaranteed win for Vancouver Titans. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, I guess, well, it's it's a great atmosphere in here to join up. I guess kind of like Bumper said, we forgot how it feels to lose. So, which I'm not, which I'm a fan of, so let's just keep rolling them, right? Correct. Well, we're going to take a quick second here before we go directly into the payload. Moving the payload! Join me! Well, now that we know what went down at the watch party, let's actually get into the bulk of our regularly scheduled podcast episode, and that is the payload. Now, as I had already shared at the top of the show, if for some reason you happen to be somewhere where you did not have internet and you did not know the Vancouver Titans rolled the Hangzhou Spark 4-0, well, they did. They won. Uh, at no point was this match really ever in doubt. Uh, we got to see some... Uh, Changes to the lineup. Stitch got in. Soman Su got out. Uh, in fact, at one point, Stitch was playing Zarya, not just the DPS characters that he was brought in for. Uh, Repel got in. Hureg did not. Hureg is still the lucky charm on the bench. But uh, what struck you, um, you know, uh, most compellingly about the Titans' victory over the Spark? There, Ani. Well, first of all, I'm really, really happy that we got to saw uh, got to see our boy Stitch. Uh, as we saw the team kind of uh, go and take their positions on the stage there, everybody was like 
cheering because, hey, we see Stitch here. We're going to see DPS. I'm quite happy that this game uh, happened on on, sun, on a Sunday because uh, as the stage rolled out, I think a lot of teams were apprehensive of flexing. But once I saw Stitch there, I knew that it's going to be pretty interesting to see some DPS played. Um, it's really hard to gauge a game like this. I mean, other than Gushues showing some nice Winston juggles, Adora playing pretty well on that King's Row map, Spark were pretty outmatched. Um, about Stitch, he played well, especially when he uh, did his DPS thing. Uh, he's pretty good on the Zarya again. Zarya is a very, uh, very dependent on, on on the game itself, but he's no Sominsu, That's pretty clear. But it's it's good to see him there. Uh, in this meta, because he'll be, he'll have to, as he plays more games, he'll have to switch off to the Zarya and back to DPS and back to Zarya a lot. So it, it's nice to see that he's, he haven't forgot how to play that hero and uh, he'll be able to put some damage out. Yeah, and for those of you that didn't actually catch the match, what we saw was Stitch roll out as a soldier, uh, uh, 76, coming out on uh, Oasis. And, uh, I don't know if it's his mouse sensitivity, his hand-eye coordination, but he was threading the needle with the Helix Rockets. Uh, he got a couple of kills uh, where I think no mere mortal could have actually uh, got them uh, with his uh, his accuracy. And if there was actually a map that was close, even though it wasn't, I would say it was Oasis. I mean, the Spark got off to a good start, but then the Titans sort of found their uh, you know, comfort zone. And uh, eventually they, they won 2-0. And we also saw it, uh, you know, not so much um, on, uh, oh gosh, Library, sorry, but on, on City Center where I think it was a little bit, uh, and that's more the design of the map where it was a little more flex. But uh, no, when Stitch went on McCree on uh, on uh, Library, it was, it was next level gameplay. Now, he, that said, we saw them transition into a more traditional 3-3 or GOATS lineup, and that's where Stitch filled in and, as the Zarya. And I, you know, I think, I think he played it quite well. I mean, is he someone so? No, I and mean, you and I both said that. But nobody and, is, right? Exactly. Like a savant on a Zarya. He's, he's leaving spawn with 90 plus uh, energy anyways. And I was, I was actually talking to a friend of mine. Oh, well, why didn't they sub stitch out? Well, I think the Vancouver Titans, I mean, there's probably a number of reasons as to why stitch stayed in, but someone so uh, not being on, you know, in that lineup had more to do with the Titans respecting the possibility of a Hangzhou spark team, maybe going to a, a quad DPS or, or a more DPS heavy or centric uh, roster. And so they wanted to have, if that were to occur, they'd sort of rolled the dice and said, we'll go with a maybe less efficient, you know, a flex tank, um, so that we have our, you know, probably top, you know, DPS player, uh, available. Um, we did see, you know, the, the Vancouver Titans bend a little bit like Hanamura, for instance, um, Hanamura, we saw the uh, Titans roll bumper out as Hanzo. <laughs> now, I, I when I saw this happen again, it was more of a DPS line at the start. It was it was bizarre. Like we're talking the second map, you're only up one nil, <laughs> and you're gonna go and you're gonna roll out your your main tank as Hanzo. Yeah, like. Well yeah, we saw some wacky compositions, and when they need to have more than uh, two DPS, I guess I, I think I think they're actually running this in scrims and they're trying it out because 
when you go like uh, DPS heavy comps, you got to have your Hammond, right? And Janu is our best Hammond. So you, you're going to see him a lot more, I feel, on the DPS uh, role, really. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree. I, the And maybe I haven't had an opportunity to see Bumper play Hanzo more than what we've seen where like on Anubis where he, you know, missed a jump, missed a wall climb, played a lot like me. It was just uh doing making a diversion for the enemies. <laughs> I guess I guess you could say he was. Like it was it was functionally weird. So of all the characters to to roll him out as like that that's the pick that doesn't seem to me to make the most sense. Like, you know, are there like can he not play soldier? And I get soldier requires a little bit of finesse, but I I would say that soldier is probably an easier character uh, to play than a than a Hanzo. Mm, yeah, probably. Anyhow, uh, that being said, the Vancouver Titans sort of bent 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 on on Hanamura, but ultimately, you know, they had such a significant uh, time bank uh, that they took that uh, that match. We then saw them go on to King's Row, where again the. The Titans played King's Row um, awkwardly, like, and I don't know if it's the map, but they they had difficulty on on the defend, um, and we've seen seen some struggle with yeah. the defense on on King's Row. Uh, as a recurring basis, we, we saw the, the the struggle that they had in San Francisco until near the end, uh, and again, this is something that continues to happen. But then the Vancouver Titans came out on their attack phase and proceeded to set a world record. And I want to give a, a shout out to our, our newest contributor over on the Ready Set Pwn uh, blog, so ReadySetPone.com. Uh, we have Rowlett uh, providing us some uh, analytics style posts. And, and Rowlett, uh, he breaks it down uh, with how to build a world record. And he actually goes and talks uh, quite specifically as to some of the different moments that uh, we saw in that particular attack phase and, and the different plays that allowed the Titans to go and, and, you know, just outright exert their authority. Like <laughs> it was, it was crazy. And like, we were, you and I were talking with the others at the watch parts, like, like, is there anything that's going to slow them down? Like this has to be a record. This has to be a record. And I think at one point the, the uh, spark got a, I don't know who it was that was on tracer came out just to slow down uh, that final cap, but it was what the record was not uh, beat by well, it's still beaten, but there was like a few extra seconds. They were to hold it off. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. That payload, it rolled like a Ferrari and you couldn't see it stop at any point. Like even when they tried to, put up a defense it never actually really was contested at any point in time i mean their first attack when they made it all the way they did beat us in most battles so it felt like a good push but then when vancouver were on attack it was another level it kind of gave me flashbacks for that record run on rialto oh yeah and, and that, that's ultimately what it felt like you know, not only were the Titans exerting, you know, themselves, not only on the map, setting the record, but uh, against the the Spark, the fact that the Spark didn't seem to have any idea of what to do to slow the roll. At one point, the Titans, after capping point A to, to start the escort, they bloody well could have been going and spawn camping. Like, it looked like they actually had considered pushing even further in beyond the, the second point, but then smartened up and thought, okay, now let's, let's regroup. 
But I, I, if they'd pushed, I actually don't know if it would have worked out any differently. Now that said with the time bank that they had going into, to OT, uh, the, uh, the spark, <laughs> uh, came out and they couldn't even get a tick on, on the cap point. So knowing that the Titans at very worst are going to get a draw again, very worst, all they would get is a draw on this map, but therefore, because of having already won the previous two know that they've won the match. There's really no result that can change it at this point came out with what has to be the wackiest comp we've seen from the Vancouver Titans so far. Like, first of all, you know, we talked about Bumper being on a Hanzo. Well, our boy Bumper decided Hanzo wasn't his style, so he'd be the Farah as part of the pharmacy. Yeah, gotta get bring out more damage, a little less finesse, and you just fire those rockets at the enemy. How hard can it be, right? Well... You know, in fairness, Bumper did get one kill with his barrage. That was pretty good. But then, uh, oh, the barrage (laughs) himself. Yeah. But I mean, we we did get to see Haxel come out on a Genji and like a boosted Haxel was just, again, we've seen seen little glimpses of this in stage one. It was unbelievable here. Uh, But just to give you at one point, the the comp that the Titans rolled out with, we had Janu on Hammond. Mm -hmm. We had Twilight on Anna. We had Haxel on Genji. So right now we're like, okay, okay, I, I can sort of see this. We had Slime rolling Mercy, Bumper going Farah, and Stitch doing uh, the uh, Sombra. And, you know, they were flexing. They came out, they had a good time. You know, the the Spark were holding their own, holding their own. And then the Vancouver Titans go 3-3, and yeah, that's it. Game over. Like, it was, uh, people were were, you know, one, talking about how, you know, people thought it was a, a troll comp. And I, I get that there is some sensitivity around that because some, some BM there for sure. You know, they, they, they maybe were flexing. Maybe they were just, you know, having fun with, it. we don't know, but uh, it's what very interesting to me is that there are so many people on social, specifically Twitter who saw this comp and the fact that the Vancouver Titans quote unquote, couldn't play DPS and got rolled and had to go back to goats that they're one trick. Uh, the Titans had this one. Like, yeah, it quite- was a, nobody on both sides ever like doubted that the Titans were going to take this map, in my opinion. No, not at all. And I think if we were to go and actually consider a, a better comp, I mean, is Bumper going to roll out on, on a Farah if they actually wanted yeah. to play a DPS, you know, composition? No, I, I think he comes out on a, on a monkey, right? Yeah. Like, they just, yeah. They just have the t- they just had a lot of time to spare and they had fun. There was a shot on on social media. I think someone from the crowd had a video of them just playing that that moment where um, Haxal got a three K on his Genji blade and, and he was just jumping out of his chair literally. And they're they're just having fun out there. Oh, yeah. And and if it was a bit more coordinated in practice, they might have gotten it even playing that wacky comp. It was just some a, a bunch of like it felt like they're going into quick play really, and it's. I know that uh, the Spark aren't like having the best season so far, but these are still pros, and and the Titans are again playing with their opponents, They're just like not trying at some points. Yeah, and I mean, how discouraging, you know, must that be that your your opponent is able to come in and 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 flex as if as they did and, now and do this, yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. And then when you know the moment suits itself, okay, we're going to take it seriously, squash. 
Like that's, that's, that's ultimately what happened. Now, having got the third, they Vancouver Titans generally take map four with a grain of salt. Uh, we saw them make a substitution. So, uh, Twilight subbed out uh, with Repel subbing in again, no force of Hura yet, but, uh, this one, I think the Titans, they took seriously and still got the win. I mean, they ultimately won three, two, but it, it was a lot closer then that that map result uh, really indicates. I mean, the, the Titans were pushed, you know, to the brink and had to to pull together. They, I don't know if this map will be conducive to their playstyle. I've, I've expressed it on previous pods uh, that I I feel that Bumper as as a monkey isn't as as effective as as him on a Rhine. But yet, I totally understand if you're going to run a three three comp, Reinhardt is not the character you want to have uh you know from spawn to to first point it, it's just awkward because he he's not as mobile you've got to go you know essentially below the overpass or completely flank neither of which is all that palatable whereas monkey you can jump and you can with your mobility you know engage a whole lot quicker so plus you can charge with uh winston so that's uh drawback that's that's true we were uh i can't remember who it was at the at our table had we were talking about um you know what uh what keys that uh, bumper has mapped on the keyboard and it's like well there's a w and then uh you know s is actually in there in place of shift and then all he has is you know like m1 i I get what you're getting at here for um Gibraltar, but I kind of disagree in the fact that it it was close. Like, yeah, they almost pushed it all the way, but uh, the Titans just would do what they do at the point where they need to stop the p- payload. They they just it felt like they played in third gear, and then they went to fourth, and it was game over. It okay. wasn't even their fifth or that weird sixth one where they completely super saiyan. Sure. I, and I, okay. Like I, I'll accept that they have this capability of, of really buckling down. And we, we've seen it, I think most significantly um, on King's row multiple times where they've, you know, held the, the final few meters, right? Like it's, it's been so close and then they're able themselves to push just that little bit more. We saw that here on Gibraltar, and you you could be right. You could be completely on point when you say that they were in third gear, but then to say, okay, let's kick her in the fourth. Let's make this happen. It's just, it's difficult for me to to necessarily say that that's the case. When I when I was looking at a team that did seem to me to be mm. playing, right? Like they weren't, they weren't having King's Row fun here. They were actually taking it seriously. And, you know, you know how much of that is, you know, repels maybe, lack of familiarity that uh, twilight might possess again we don't know i mean stitch obviously in uh in a flex tank role where you'd probably be better suited for for dps okay you know so not a so and so so again just an interesting point yeah i guess some of the one of I, I don't remember who the coach was that uh apologized for not being professional on stage one but it was Pat it John, I think. to me that the titans are like you know talking amongst themselves and like hey if we get that 4-0 they'll get off our, our backs and we can do whatever the hell we want <laughs> so and it, it seems like they switch those gears as a unit it's not like there's just one guy who says now okay i'm let's play serious or let's tone it down a little bit it feels like there there's this big organism consisting of uh six different brains <laughs> like uh working as one so that's that's the scary part. When they did decide to switch those gears, 
yeah, it feels like what I mean to say, I'm, I'm like babbling here, but it feels like it's a conscious decision. It's not like, oh, it's the spark uh, letting uh, like playing better or the spark playing a little bit worse. Everything feels really controlled in that chaotic way that they play. Mm-hmm. I, I, I guess, you know, I, I can't disagree with that. That does make sense. Um, chaos is their path to success. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, sort of bringing up the fact that, you know, it was, it was Pajan, I think that had said like, Hey, you know, we're going to take this more seriously. Um, uh, and the fact that, uh, we already have seen Hong Zhao, you know, call the, uh, the Titans, uh, Thanos. Speaking of which, if you had not seen the artwork, uh, there's, so first of all, there was an artwork battle. I actually thought the Vancouver Titans artist who put together those sort of don't starve esque posts. And if you've not seen the game, don't starve, um, take a look at a few images and then compare it to some of the, the Twitter images they shared. It's like, I swear it's the same artist or, or someone of the, uh, you know, same experience. Um, but Hangzhou yeah, had uh, the Titans as uh, Thanos and each of the gems matched up to a team. The Titans had beaten and you could see their logo in there. And let's just say that uh, unfortunately the snap took place. Uh, whatever the spark character is called is, is no more. The seal survived. <laughs> yeah. They're They're going to need to add on an, uh, another gauntlets pretty soon. There's not enough gems to uh, put on that one. The thing, however, that's most, you know, I think important to understand is there's this perception that the Vancouver Titans are villains. And, you know, it seems that the Overwatch League has embraced uh, that uh, that meta by having a segment calling the Vancouver Titans out as the bad boys of Vancouver. Now, are they actually bad boys? No. I mean, you watch this video, and they've got, like, slime walking down the alley, you know, munching away on red licorice. Like someone so you know almost looks that's, like that's em- pretty badass embarrassed i mean bumper he was playing it up a little bit you know with his his toothpick but they're just having a good time I mean, these are these kids are just you know for lack of a, a, a better description enjoying life right now mm-hmm. and you know why shouldn't they they are at the top of their game in the top tier of a professional esport that they're they're in. You know what? If I was in their position, I'd be enjoying it myself. Yeah. I was going to go and drop some, you know, bad boys singing here, but then I decided that one, uh, you don't need to hear me sing. And two, I don't want to risk the possible copyright strike. Cause I don't know what it's like if you start actually, you know, singing songs and stuff like that. Yeah, I appreciate the Overwatch League carrying kind of the load of the Titans' uh, branding job and marketing because uh, a lot of the stuff that the best stuff we saw about Titans came directly from the league itself. And about their bad boy image, I feel it's kind of like an evolution because when they came into the league, right, like a lot of the other um, teams that were signed as a team, you you got all that history. And then with Runaway, we talked about it a lot in, in our like uh, initial reveal episode. And we said like, oh, there's such a history there. How can they ever disconnect from that? So they don't disconnect from that. But what happens is 
that they transform into something new. At no point in time were the runaway uh, team ever considered as bad boys or like, oh, oh not at these all. These guys are so dominant. They were the cute underdog. Like, they I'm were not the choir that, boys. Yeah, I'm not saying the Titans are not cute because when you have Stitch on, on stage, like, how can you not be cute, right? But still, with that social media parade with uh, with us being Thanos and 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 the Sasquatch how how like dominant and and evil it looks uh when it you know tramples over uh, over the competition I, I'm liking it that they're figuring out like their own image and kind of they left the nest of, uh, of mother Flowervin and father uh, runner and now they're the you know the rock and roll punk kid who went to America <laughs> and started kicking butt so yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it is definitely cool. But uh, why don't we talk a little bit about the uh, week that's upcoming for the Vancouver Titans? So the Titans play twice on Thursday night. Uh, they play uh, the uh, Soul Dynasty. Now, isn't Soul looking forward to this or what? I think if if I'm the Dynasty, I'm hoping that uh, I can create some confusion with some maybe interesting comps in the hope that I can throw the Titans off the game. Mm, could be. We saw them play well against the Gladiators, but that was one of the matches that was most GOAT-centric. I don't mm-hmm. think that's the proper strategy to do to, to, to bring against the Titans. They're probably still kind of... Uh, they, they weren't going into the game against the Titans expecting to win it, but I'm sure they uh, want to avenge that loss probably. Yeah, but uh, the Soul Dynasty have to fight the Titans on Busan, Temple of Anubis, Eichenwald, as well as Rialto. So we know the Temple of Anubis and Rialto maps, uh, the Titans have had success on them. Uh, Busan, again, some success. I think Eichenwald is the one that, uh, you know, will be most interesting to see. And if there's a map that screams wacky comp, that might be it. We haven't played on that map either. Yeah, no, I can, I, I can sense some Hanzo, uh, <laughs> some bumper Hanzo <laughs> looming. Exactly right. I mean, I I still think the Vancouver Titans they're going to win this one. Um, I I'm going to go three one, and I'm actually going to say it's three one, not because the Titans lose map four. I'm actually thinking that the Titans are going to lock it down in map four. Right. I, I take the 3-1 as well. I feel like there's a personal story there with Bumper and Fisher. They kind of go at each other. They both play similar styles. Bumper is much better at that and has much more support sustaining him when he goes in deep. Uh, but yeah, we might lose a game there. Soul is a great team. And, and with uh, Fleta maybe playing more flex uh, roles, they might take a map. Mm-hmm. And then the Titans face up against the Houston Outlaws, this being on Saturday afternoon. Now, uh, the four maps they're going to play are Busan, Paris, Eichenwald, as well as Rialto. So both Paris and Eichenwald, uh, new to us, and Eichenwald will have a glimpse against the uh, the Dynasty. Mm-hmm. Do the Outlaws stand a chance here? Not really. I think it'll be a 4-0. The only thing that might play to their advantage is if we see Jake Rad. John Rad is pretty good now. And, and mm-hmm. the Titans have seemed to bleed the most when you have a good widow on the uh, opposite side. Like we saw Happy, I believe, against Guangzhou. And if Linkser has a good day, they might uh, have our um, you know hearts beating a bit louder. But still a 4-0 for me on that game. Yeah. And this is actually, you know, for those who listen to the podcast, I don't 4 often. 
Um, mm. I, I see this as a 4-0. I don't see it as an easy 4-0. I, I feel that this is going to be a, a much closer 4-0, if that makes sense. But I, I still feel that the Titans have just the, the player advantage. Uh, the reason I suggest it might be closer is that the Titans go in knowing where their strength lay. And we've seen the teams that figure out that by bringing chaos and aggression to the Titans can throw them off their game is that the Titans are almost put in a disadvantage because they don't know what the other team will play. Will they play to the Titans or play, you know, away from the Mm. Titans? Yeah, throw us off the game, but still lose. (laughs) No, true. (laughs) But it works better. It works better. And I, I, I feel Houston may be intelligent enough to try to go a little bit more diverse in their approach. Now I say that and watch them roll out three, three and get rolled. (laughs) But I I think if you, if you do go three, three, you have to bring the fight to the Titans. You can't allow the Titans to dictate play. And I'm not trying to coach teams to beat the team. I love. It's just that it's clear as day. The Titans, when they get to dictate how the match will be played, win hands down. So again, I'm going to suggest there's going to be a hard fought to four. Oh, now, for those of you who are looking for somewhere to watch the Titans play, both Thursday night as well as Saturday afternoon, uh, the uh, Railway Stage and Cafe, uh, formerly known as the Railway Club, it's going to be hosting watch parties both Thursday night as well as Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'm not going to be there Thursday, Omni Thursday. One of these days, not both probably, but I'm going to be there. I I, I, I really like uh, the events at the railway. Plus, I get to buy a beer for the price of... Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, if you compare it to the sports bar, you get to have like uh, five beers for the price of one at the sports bar. So that's a good thing. Yeah, so I, I will be there for the Saturday afternoon uh, match, uh, hanging out with the crowd, good people cheering on the Titans. And you are right. You raise a very good point. The price of a wobbly pop at a railway is much more affordable than a similar price or similar acquired uh, wobbly pop. The price is a little bit more substantial at a sports bar. Hopefully that's something that can be resolved for those of us who might like to have a drink or two. Uh, Just a reminder, uh, those watch parties at railway... I was talking about a root beer just to... Oh, that's what I thought. I mean, (laughs) A&W, right? Just down the street. Um, Watch parties at the railway are uh, requiring that you are legal age. It is a bar after all, so 19 plus. Uh, It is not all ages. Uh, But if we happen to see you there, great look for myself. uh, Omni, who might be out. uh, I don't think Sam's coming. He's probably still working on that patch. Uh, But we'll keep in touch on social. So we're going to take a quick break here before we uh, dive straight into the fray. So let's revisit the week that was in the Overwatch League. Now, on Thursday, Stage 2 opened up with the New York Excelsior beating the Philadelphia Fusion 4-0. This was the game of interest. All three of us said this is the one to watch. And uh, New York Excelsior had maybe a different idea. 
<laughs> or was it the Philadelphia Fusion? Like this one, I, I'll be honest, I'm surprised to that result. Yeah. I feel like if it was if this game was played on a Sunday or Saturday, Philly might have stood a better chance because they rolled out first with a DPS comp and New York kind of like blasted them out of that point. It was Li Zhang Tower and then they said, oh, crap, it's probably just goats now. And they didn't play play that well. I felt like they backed down from a plan that they had. And yeah, we couldn't predict the future. So we thought it was the game of interest. It ended up being as the game of no interest to me. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was just unbelievable. And again, maybe that was us, you know, under underselling the Excelsior and maybe overselling the Fusion. I don't know. But the game that we should have picked was the one that followed, the uh, Uprising and Rain. Now, for those of you who might have turned out early when the Rain were up to nil, I am sorry to tell you that the Boston Uprising completed the reverse sweep, coming back to win 3-2. Now, remember that score for a moment. The Shanghai Dragons beat the LA Gladiators 3-1, and the Paris Eternal rolled the Guangzhou Charge 4-0. On Friday, the London Spitfire beat the Florida Man 2-1. The Toronto Defiant beat the Washington Justice 3-1. The San Francisco Shock rolled the LA Valiant, which was probably most appropriate because I picked that as the game of interest. Thankfully, you and Sam were smart, and you picked the LA Gladiators Soul Dynasty match, which actually went to a fifth match where the LA Gladiators won 3-2. Now, was that youth two being omniscient? Like, is there something you knew about that matchup that you thought was going to be as great as it was? Or was that a, a lucky roll of the dice? Uh, it, I guess looking back at stage uh, at the stage one, Los Angeles Gladiators were really playing well as the, you know, as the stage went by. And they keep on playing that way when stage two began. So, if you look, well, it's just a week, but I I I, I look forward to seeing them uh, play more games. I think they're gonna be they're gonna kind of you know uh, detach themselves away from that middle of the pack and become a, a, a really good team in the league. And we got to see Shorefor as well <laughs> playing during that match, but uh, unfortunately, it was mostly goats. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Decay is really really good. Roar is really really good, and they have a pretty nice roster there. Uh, for the gladiators soul put up a pretty good fight but at the end of the day it, it fell down to that last map five and Jung tower and la kind of came to, to take that game and yeah what else to say yeah it was it was definitely a back and forth fight i mean you look at soul they 2-0'd oasis only to lose that match to the gladiators who 2-0'd them in return on on lee jang everything in the middle was pretty much uh was even now Moving right along on Saturday, we had the Philadelphia Fusion beat the Florida Bam 3-1. And you remember those Boston Uprising that we spoke about earlier? Well, they beat the Toronto Defiant 3-2 in another reverse sweep. That is a back-to-back. Enjoying that map five. Oh, Toronto playing those long long maps again. Well, and, you know, it was unreal because I felt when I was watching that a bit that Toronto had that in the bag. Like, I, I am not going to lie. The fact that Boston came back and, and beat the Defiant. Um, okay, I, I chuckled. I'm not going to say it brought a, a smile to my face because I'm the one person here that, you know, has a little soft spot for the Toronto Defiant. But it, it just, Toronto 
you know, fell apart. Like it was the uprising did what they needed to do to get the win, you know, all credit to them, but you know, Toronto just yeah. fell apart. It annoys me to no end because our uh, notorious uh, power rankings, we had Boston really, really low. And every time they start playing a match, I'm like feeling so like, I, I want to get my, you know, vindication and, and they start playing like, Oh, you see they're, they're garbage. And then it flips around. I'm like, Oh crap, here we go again. Well, Props to them. I mean, the mental aptitude of that team is insane. Speaking of our power rankings and ranking uh, the Boston Uprising so low, uh, shout out to uh, at Brett Hunt on uh, Twitter, Brett underscore Hunt, who has pointed out to us that uh, he has some choice words for us. Should he have an opportunity to speak to us, but in the interim on social media, continues to go and point out our failings. So thank you for keeping us accountable. Thanks. As far as the rest of the matches on Saturday go, the New York Excelsior beat the Shanghai Dragons 3-0, and in the match that we thought would be the one everyone would want to watch, the Chengdu Hunters beat the Paris Eternal 4-0. That, I, I'm surprised. Like, I, I, I would have never seen that match go the way it did. Um, Paris... They played well against Guangzhou for owing. You remember that thing I said about uh, how the Hunters are probably not that good in wacky comps because just just due to the fact that they played the most of mm-hmm. this competition. And, and once the league transitions into more wacky comps, they'll probably settle down. So scratch that. It seems like they really have something here. They're super dominant when when chaos ensues. It's it's incredible. Amon. Do you say that Amon? Uh, Amen, Amon, Amen. Whatever, I don't know. you know who I'm referring to, that God-wrecking bull. So that dude is actually pretty godly on that hero. It's it's bonkers what he's doing out there. Yeah. And, I, you know, you mentioned that it was Paris losing all four maps, but every one of them was tight. Like, it, it, it the fact yeah. that both Hanamura and Blizzard World had to go to, to OT or, uh, and you know, an extra fight just to, to declare a winner. It's not as if Paris wasn't it. It's just hard to see how, you know, Chengdu had an answer for everything. I actually, and you know, we've talked about this Chengdu is a type, the type of team that would worry me slightly because of the chaos. They, they thrive in chaos and they don't have a problem then flexing on the team that they're playing like the Titans. That was a little bit different. I think the Titans had uh, started to tilt. As far as the final day on the weekend, we had the San Francisco Shock beat the Guangzhou Charge 4-0. That was our match to watch. And you know what? We did really, really well here. Three out of four matches were sweeps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, is maybe it's that nice. what we were trying to suggest is we're choosing the sweeps, not the ones that are hard fought both ways going down to the final second yeah if you have to talk about any map in here go watch the king's row map between washington justice and chengdu <laughs> the defenses there's there's a map there that it was basically mystery heroes oh yeah it was so i, I was actually watching it before we press, pressed record so that was the last match of the day chengdu was 3-1 over the washington justice uh atlanta rain lost to the london spit for uh you know four no so willing to roll but yeah that that washington chengdu king's row was mystery heroes i mean there was gosh we had what tor we had some tracers some widows some mercies some hanzos some faras some orissas yeah. some zens like was there like I was going to say what characters did not play might've been the easier question to, 
to address than what did. I, I think if you're going to go and rewatch that VOD, make sure to have like another tab open in the background and like cue the Benny Hale theme. Like <laughs> it's hilarious. There's just so much stuff going on there. Yeah, it was, I, I, you know, I didn't get to watch it live because uh, we were at the, the watch party and then I uh, had to, the long commute home. But uh, yeah, I, I was watching the, the VOD just before we hit record here and I had a good chuckle. Now, moving on to the week that we'll be, let's just run through the schedule first. So on Thursday, we've got the Paris Eternal versus the Florida Mayhem, the New York Excelsior versus the Washington Justice. Our Titans are going to be playing the Dynasty and then wrapping up the day are the Defiant and the Fusion. Now, Sam was kind enough to send us some notes and his response, all other games on this day are blah, Sam. I wonder how much that has to do with the fact that you and I both mark the Toronto Defiant Philadelphia Fusion as the match to pay attention to. A hundred percent. Like I, I, I actually honestly feel of all of them. If you're not, you know, you're not obviously watching Titans Dynasty, Eternal Mayhem, probably not close. Excelsior Justice, good luck. So <laughs> there's really only other one match to choose. Yeah, I feel like Philly will probably try play more dps and that might be more entertaining toronto is a, still a good team it'll be a tight map yeah on friday we've got the valiant versus the rain the uprising versus the spark the guangzhou charge versus the san francisco shock and the chengdu hunters versus the Seoul dynasty now again to sam sam chose the uprising spark match he actually agreed with me those that that's the match that he and i chose now his words here battle of the worst teams vancouver's faced this season I'm aware we played the Valiant already. They were better. And actually, is, does it continue there? Oh, better against us than these two were. <laughs> well, can't argue that. Just another note about this day. Usually, we just uh, mark what we think the best game is. And when there's a Vancouver uh, game, we just I just put VT. And now I just marked Chengdu games as uh, CH. I saw that. I got to tune in and, and watch what wacky things happen. On uh, Saturday, we've got the London Spitfire versus the Philadelphia Fusion. And, you know, across the board, this was the, the match that we said everyone should watch again outside of the Vancouver Titans Houston Outlaws match. Now, Sam's comment here, are the Spitfire for real or more of the same from stage one? And he raises a good point. We gave a significant buff to the Spitfire in our power rankings uh, when compared to their performance in, in stage one. The Philadelphia Fusion should be, I think, an equal partner in the, the matchup of the day. Now, before actually you and I talk a little bit about this, the other matches are, as I said, Titans and Outlaws, the Dallas Field, Toronto Defiant, LA Gladiators, Guangzhou Charge. So is the Spitfire Fusion simply a more even matchup, which is why we're choosing that? Or is there something here that we were watching that we might not get from, let's say, the Fuel Defiant? Fuel, I really want to watch as well because it's their first game in this stage. But but London and Philly, uh, what jumps out to me is the fact that Gesture and Sato are going to be really, really happy to not have to face Orion on the other hand because these teams are basically up and down depending on whether their main tank has to play uh, Winston or Orion. And now both of them can just, you know, not flex from that Winston. Uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I feel like there's some sort of rivalry also between the two teams. 
Well, speaking of rivalry between two teams, Sunday, we're going to get it. We have the Dallas Field versus the Paris Eternal, the Atlanta Reign versus the Washington Justice, the New York Excelsior versus the Florida Ma'am, and the Los Angeles Valiant versus the Los Angeles Gladiators. And as Sam has noted, that glad trash talk is for real. I I want I want to watch this because I actually do believe this is the battle for LA. And I'm not talking about that sort of, you know, meh movie. We're we're talking about a real battle here. Here's the thing. Valiant, they have a match on Friday against Atlanta. So they might I still think Atlanta has it like 60 to 40, but they might win that game. And if they do, this will be a much more entertaining game than if they lose against Atlanta because they'll be like so down in the dumps and Gladiators are playing pretty well. But I think that it's going to be a tight match. Again, Valiant, all the matches that they lost, like not all of them, but the majority of them were pretty, pretty close, even against like top tier teams. So with the rivalry coming up, I, I, I feel they'll play more energized with the recent changes. We might even be seeing Custa on stage. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, is he still too smart? Uh, probably. Hmm. Even despite the fact that now Goats is not the only exclusively played meta, but <laughs> he's so smart, he'd probably figure out something even better. That's so. true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so... There you have it. That's the, the week that will be. We'll revisit this, obviously, in our episode next week and see how many of those uh, sweeps we've predicted, because that's totally what we're choosing here. But let's talk a little bit about the uh, player movement or, you know, the transactions that we've seen over the course of uh, last week to this episode. Now, starting off, uh, Fei has been announced as the new head coach of the Paris Journal. Damon has moved over to Dallas as an assistant coach. Uh, two coaching moves. I think Damon Dallas is a good pickup. Uh, Fei Fei as head coach in Paris. Any thoughts here? Well, I'm not going to pretend that I'm uh, really knowledgeable about the big staff that Paris uh, has, but but looking just at the rosters, uh, one of the most like uh, commonly talked about thing about predicting Paris is how good a GOATS team they are and how how great their coaching staff is. And now they might be realizing that this is just a case of too many cooks in the kitchen. So that might be it. If it works or not, just left to see. And sometimes just with with a change, you can see some improvement, even though the coach doesn't really have any time to implement uh, grand strategies. But just just from having this change, people feel like uh, they can play better for a while. We might see this. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Maybe too many coaches. Yeah. Now, the, well, I guess one of the surprises was that uh, Toronto saw the retirement of Stellar. Now, first of all, the, the term retirement, it's more loose. It's not a, someone who's simply giving it up forever per se. Uh, but Stellar had expressed uh, some desire to focus on, you know, sort of personal well-being. And as a result, retired from Toronto to replace Stellar. Toronto signed, uh, I am 37, who is not 37. There's no way it's 37. <laughs> no. Now, what's unique about I am 37 is, first of all, he previously played for second win for a hot second. <laughs> this is someone who went from open div 
And I mean, Path to Pro probably doesn't describe his ability to, like, I mean, it was stratospheric. Essentially, he what? He joined an open division team in the middle of March, then goes and joins Second Wind, and then is a member of the Toronto Defiant even quicker than that. Like, let's put into perspective, it's not even April 14th yet. It's insane. I, I, he's a talented player. He's fresh off of ladder. So I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that he was able to join them so quickly due to the fact, you know, he's, he's, uh, he has Canadian citizenship and, and he'll be able to just be plugged in there. I, I mean, they have Asher on bench as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I saw from some reactions from players who grind out, like, you know, contenders for for many seasons like how weird this is that they just pluck someone out of ladder who had no uh you know prior experience in in pro play so i get both sides here um he played pretty well he had really really amazing like uh play on tracer at the start there in the first match when they played blizzard world and then he just went to brig jail and and i guess uh yeah he played (laughs) decently there brig jail Uh, uh, it's really weird. I just want to point out the fact that that there's some hypocrisy in like the, the gen- general fan base's reaction to his meteoric rise to OWL. Because because when he was pulled uh, from uh, you know a second win and all, everybody w- was like cheering like how how poggers is that? That's really cool. Jin Jin is in Overwatch League. But remember what happened when uh, they announced that there's a Washington team in in uh, Overwatch League in Kefri. Some of you may know as like a pretty popular uh, like widow player. He said, "Oh, I, can I? Can I try, try out?" out? Yeah. yeah, and and you know, Reddit was like, "No, man, it's disrespectful. You gotta, you gotta earn that spot. You, you gotta, you gotta go, go through tier one, tier, like tier three, two, you know." And now everybody's like, "Oh, this guy gets a free pass." Hmm. See, I don't know. And I, you know, maybe we'll go a little off the rails here um, when. I talked about it in one of the early episodes of the Reset Poem podcast, and I had expressed the opinion specifically about Kefri, how I see no harm in someone saying, hey, I think I have what it takes. Give me a look. If you're running a business and esports franchises are businesses, you need to ensure you have the best personnel possible. And I think you do yourself a disservice by not evaluating your talent as it should be, not as to how long they've invested in their craft. I believe there's strong value in that investment. I think Path the Pro serves an extremely important purpose. But in my mind, it's not as if you're you're leveling up in a video game. Like yeah. the analogy that I was using with a friend was how in Vanilla WoW, yeah, I had to essentially learn the pain as what was walking from zone to zone until I then needed to have my brother farm enough gold to help loan me money to buy a mount. That was mm-hmm. the process I had to go through. There was no shortcuts. Didn't matter how awesome of a player I might have been. Why would we go and apply some type of mechanic that's specific to a video game and to us running sure. an, an esports franchise? Um, as far as I am 37 moving up, yeah, I, I agree. I think there's some hypocrisy there. If if I'm 37 can come in, uh, play his role well, and and I mean to use the traditional sports uh, uh, explanation here, he was fresh off the plane, running you know out yeah, onto yeah. the stage 
to go and sign in. That actually I find a little weird because I would think, you know, an Asher would have been able to fill in better than a a guy that didn't even get a scrim. Yeah, I completely agree with your points. I mean, it's it's in no way um, a, a bad move from from the franchise itself. They get to decide, or or the player, because they have no control, right? I'm I'm just I just pointed out the fact how the fan base reacts oh, yeah. to both. Yeah, and I, yeah. I understand that. Yeah, it's just it's again, it's weird. I I think you know, all credit to Adam Thirty Seven. He played well. Um, he even Without expressed it. Into, you know, you know, like uh, the the personas that are involved, right? Because that's not what I'm talking about oh, here. No, and I I. I Totally get that. Um, and then one other uh, uh, trade that uh, we had missed was uh, FRD had uh, joined the Atlanta Reign, uh, previously being a member of the uh, Gladiators Legion. So that actually mm-hmm. happened officially prior to the last episode. It just happened to be that uh, it had fallen through the cracks. Now, I think some other big news that's happening. The Florida Mayhem, they're going full Korean. In fact, they're going full Korean so significantly that they've either released or they left. It's somewhat up in the air of whether or not Mineral or Yeah um, made the choice themselves. But the Mayhem have also made it uh, known that McGravy, Tavik, and Apply are available to be dealt. In fact, the players themselves have been on social saying, hey, anyone want us? Yeah, well, just because I ended off there talking about fan hypocrisy, I, I want to be extremely careful here about going full Korean because obviously this is a Titans podcast. But it's a bad move when you you don't just you know they don't they they haven't picked up a team right per se when when they formed this franchise. So just tossing away all those players who I don't know might have had. Um, might have had uh, some, you know, effect on how they performed or not, but just tossing them, tossing them out because they're not Korean, probably not. They they, they didn't phrase that, but it kind of it's a bad look for the team. I mean, it makes look it makes sense when you look at teams like the Titans or NYXL how dominant they are. But what about teams like the Shock or Gladiators? They work perfectly fine. Then, then maybe the issue there is your scouting or the type of talent that you bring in. A lot of the teams in the league are enjoying uh, relative success with mixed rosters. So, what will be the excuse when they still suck? Which I kind of think they will. Yeah, and I, you know, it's a question mark. But here is a team, and you know, some background here for those that didn't know. The CEO of the franchise was asked back in September. Um, well, it's, I can see further background. Uh, so the CEO goes on Twitter and says, uh, I just want to give a little insight to today's news in which the shape of the Florida man roster for the month of August, we ran trials, uh, in North America, EU and Korea, 50 players, every single S one man player, no job was safe. Everyone competed. So essentially saying we made people work for their spots. Someone then asks, yeah. well, as much as I'm hoping for a Western roster, I also know that Koreans are, you know, very strong. Um, you know, will there be adjustments and his response we will not be fielding an all-Korean roster. So this was again back in September. Now, having seen stage one, they reevaluated and determined that there was much better value for them moving forward with the remainder of the season to have a roster 
that could communicate in their native language during games in practice. And Bearhands, uh, who's an AGM for the, the Florida Man, actually goes on further to say, it is my belief that this change alone will have a tremendous impact on the team's ability to coordinate, plan, and execute those plans. Hmm. Now, I don't think he's wrong. I mean, communication is extremely important. But for those of you who've actually watched the, uh, you know, uh, the comm segments on uh, on Overwatch, I mean, look at the Vancouver Titans. They, well, there's English, there's Korean, there's bumper. I mean, there's all sorts going on, but that team knows each other so well, they could be communicating in Latin, and I think they'd still be successful. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give them props. I'll begin with something uh, positive here. I give them props for just trying again, or rebuilding, mm-hmm. not not being afraid of that rebuild because they had that uh, fully Swedish team. A team, I think, in season one, they saw that it didn't work except for Tavik. It already looked like they went full Korean except for Tavik, but then you go and sign McGravy, which was fairly recent, like. When was that point in time where you figured out that you are going full Korean? Like it feels like kind of histrionic, like they're reactive and not. I don't know. Just oh, what I'm trying to say in here is maybe the timing felt weird to me, or just how how you finally see those like three or four players are like, okay, I guess I guess we're out of a job now. Does anybody want to pick us up? That kind of felt bad on social media. Yeah, and that's hard. Like McGravy, he joined in February. So this, this is a decision. It's a bold decision. And you're right. We should give them, you know, credit where credit is due. They have made a bold decision when it still matters. The problem is you are now seeing a player like McGravy apply to Vic who say like, does anyone want us? It is awkward. As yeah. far as other um, player news, and this, this one is a little bit tougher to, to talk about. Um, if, you were on, on social media over the course of the weekend um, or or happened to sort of be in the Titans Discord or or the Ready, Set, Pwn Discord. Um, you heard that uh, effect, uh, a DPS player for the Dallas Fuel uh, announced retirement from professional play. And um, what he, he did is he had actually shared a, a fairly lengthy statement on, on Facebook. And I'm not going to go in and into to too much detail, but effects, you know, talked about uh, struggles with with depression and and self harm. And and reading reading the translation that was provided was tough. I'm not going to lie. I I I I teared up a little bit to hear that someone has been going through that much pain um, for such a, a long period of time. And uh, I, I, I think we've seen this with, with the, the Overwatch League itself, um, that the players are under a significant amount of stress. I shared it in the Ready, Set, Pwn Discord, how we have to remember they're also still kids. I mean, effect is, is for all intents and purposes, compared to me, a, a child. I mean, I know he's more than that. It's just that I can't see how someone that young has had, had, had to deal with as much struggle as he has. So I do hope that he gets the the help and the support that he needs. Um, he does talk about his retirement as being um, his, his efforts 
no, and knowing that he, he needs to get that help and support, um, to sim- almost simplify things to, to make sure that he, he, he helps get himself where he needs to be. But it, it's like, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm shaking up talking about it right now. Cause that's how, how it hits no, me. You, you, you definitely hit the nail on the head here. Uh, a lot of people seem to have the wrong uh, idea that these guys, their job is playing video games all day and it's, it's like fun. And it's something that I, pr- yes, they do love the game and it is like uh, a great privilege to be considered one of the top, uh, you know, players in your craft, whatever you do, not just in video games, but, but there's, there's a stress, the level of stress and competition to keep up at that. And, and, and for a person, regardless if it's effect or not, or somebody else or, or the friend or whoever, you know, not everybody can adapt to that. And when he spoke so courageously, I, I have to add here of how he had those issues for a long, long time and how Overwatch has been one of his like uh, escapes from those struggles. And now that he kind of doesn't get that feeling from it anymore, you kind of get why he had those struggles back in season one as well. I was a, I was a Dallas Fuel fan, so I, I kind of felt for him uh even before, uh, you know, this season and the struggles that he talked about, but yeah, there's definitely an issue there. And I'm, I'm really happy to see the reaction from uh, the majority of, of the fan base, even though we saw some like weird reactions too, but uh, like to see how, how fans and, and people on Reddit kind of uh, set up a website or like a form where people could uh, write to him, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, you know, their comments of support. And I just, hope he pulls out of it and a lot of uh you know players as well commented like time with his teammate that like it's a serious issue and people should uh, realize that we see that even now like people talk about it in even traditional sports and i i think that esports is even could be even more dangerous because like you said these are kids right so I believe that it, they might be even at more risk in here. So I'll uh, give props to the team that really need to take care of, uh, you know, the mental health of, of their players, just like any other sort of uh, health issue. Right. Yeah. And I, I'd also like to take a, a quick moment just for, for any listener of the podcast or, or the reader race at or anyone in our, in, in either discord, if at any point you feel lost or, or, or hopeless or, or that you're in a, in a place that you, you can't find a way to get out of. Um, it is completely okay. In fact, um, it is, is important that, that you talk to someone and I'm not suggesting that that person has the answers, but I can assure you there are people that, that do and can, can help you help you get what it is that you need, the support that you need. And if there's something that we here at Ready, Set, Pwn um, can do to, to help you along that journey, please, you know, reach out to myself, uh, you know, Chris or Sam or, or Omni here or, or, or Michael or really anyone. We will, we will look to get you in, in touch with, you know, who, who it is that we, you need to, to, to talk to. Um, before we, we move on from, from player moments, I guess one other thing to mention, um, Bishu has signed a temporary two-way contract, um, with the gladiators Legion. So this, I'll be honest, I'm not going to spend too much time on because I have no clue anymore how two-way contracts work in the Overwatch league. Um, (laughs) 
he's filling in because the gladiator legion are a little bit light-handed with FRD joining the Atlanta rain. From what I understand, he can somehow play somehow some many matches in contenders, but again, who knows, but Bishu temporary two-way contract to help uh, gladiators legion out. And the last thing that we wanted to talk about on the fray is the upcoming event in the, uh, the overwatch league. And that is the storm rising archives event. Uh, we saw some details come out over the course of the weekend. And then if you actually go to the uh, overwatch uh, website, they have already shown there are some classified, uh, you know, skins and sprays, what have you. Um, we also have an idea of, of what characters are, are going to be coming back. Um, Mercy, who is apparently going to be in every single archives event. Uh, she's, she's coming back. Um, oh geez. Genji was going to be there. I'm trying to think who else was it? Um, well, there was the uprising event, uh, and there was the retribution uh, event, which are kind of different archives missions. Yeah, right. So you had like the Torb and Ryan, and it was Mercy and Tracer on the first, mm-hmm. and then you had Moira, McCree, oh uh, Reaper uh, Genji, and Genji, yeah, Reaper, or uh, should I say Gabriel Reyes? <laughs> yes, yes, Gabriel. Um, but the Storm Rising event that'll be on April sixteenth through to May sixth. So maybe that's the patch that Sam is currently downloading and why he can't be here. Important part in here is that we are probably looking at some fully fledged renders of a map there. Like that's the in-game graphics for Overwatch. So it's probably a map coming in here. And looking back at the like the recent maps that we've gotten, we got uh, Paris Assault Map, Busan Control, and what was the one before that? I believe it was Rialto, mm-hmm. which was also kind of like a gift that was added to the previous archives map or escort. So we might be looking at a hybrid map. Probably there's a road there. If you saw the video yeah. of of the that Omnic being uh, driven in that limo, so I'm hoping for a hybrid map. But I like all uh, payload related maps. So yeah, I'm looking more to the competitive aspect of that like how we will see another map in competitive or in owl eventually yeah. and it, if uh, again it looks like it's going to be based in havana um if you happen to yeah. be playing Nambani, one of the posters for travel is to uh, mm. to havana which also correlates quite well to to baptiste this is now a lore podcast that's right <laughs> uh when when we'll have more canadian lore like a Oh, Canadian yeah. hero or a Canadian map and not the whole, well, far as kind of Canadian or may was going to be Canadian. We need Canadian. I've been saying that for a while now, just put a payload map in Vancouver, how it drives through downtown oh, into Stanley park or something park oh. and across the Lionsgate bridge. It's going to be amazing. Oh, geez. I, you know what? It would be hands down the best map. I can't think of a better map. For sure. As we normally do, and we wrap up each and every episode, we talk about some final thoughts before I ask Omni for his. I do want to remind all y'all to get into your voting box for the All-Star Game. That's right. You are supposed to have already, if you haven't done so already, voted in the players that you want to see in the Overwatch League All-Star Game. Now, I have the uh, sad news to report that the Vancouver Titans have yet to get into the uh, top six in the Pacific which is in my mind 
completely asinine, but I do get it is somewhat of a popularity contest. So this is by far the most popular Overwatch League podcast in the world. In the world. At least among Vancouver Titans fans. So I, I think if each and every one of you listeners, the thousands and thousands of Ready, Set, Let's- Home listeners, you know, get out there and vote. Let's get some Titans in there. I mean, I, how is it that Bumper hasn't got enough votes? Do what I did. I just picked every player at you know who's best at his position. Main tank, Bumper. Flex tank, it's Janu. Haxal is for the Brig, and we got uh, Slime and Twilight, the best uh, you know healers in the league. So it, it all makes sense. It does, doesn't? It? Like again, this this should be hands down a done deal but make sure you're getting out there get your votes in and let's help the titans represent um if for some reason you don't then we're putting it into the power of the overwatch league itself to go and determine who they feel should uh, populate the rest of the roster um and then one other further note uh and this is actually more a question for you what are your thoughts on having the all access pass, but not being able to watch the all access content if you don't watch it live? And what I mentioned is that, you know, uh, our boy bumper was on this weekend and because I was busy, I could not catch it and therefore cannot see. I think that's a miss. Yeah. I feel it's like, it's more of a technological hurdle for blizzard to take care of. And then a decision that, Oh, if you didn't pay for it, you, you cannot see it. Because uh, you know, just setting up those multiple streams simultaneously is probably a you know a hard technological feat in itself. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'd ask Sam, but Sam, you there? No, no, Sam. But before that, I just wanted to ask how how was that uh, signed jersey there? Oh my goodness! Thank thank yet? you for the reminder. I actually meant to lead off this episode with it and i completely dropped the ball um i gotta give a massive shout out to schmidtstorm for those of you who aren't in our discord or the titans discord uh, schmidtstorm has been uh, following along for quite some time uh, he actually recently dropped into our discord to give us some heat about our power rankings and again we are more than willing to accept the fact that our power rankings uh, may uh, shake things up. But uh, just Boston. Hmm, what was that? <laughs> just Boston screwing That's it up. That's true. But, uh, you know, Schmidt Storm came to the, uh, the last watch party, came over to our table to introduce himself and uh, to thank uh, us for, uh, you know, the podcast and to, to help, help me no longer be bullied by the likes of you and Sam. He gave me an extra team signed Vancouver Titans shirt that he had. He was wearing one to the watch party. He brought a second to it. And I like, I'm, I was, I was floored. I was speechless. Like, when have you heard me not like the sound of my own voice and have nothing to say? Never. That doesn't happen. I can't, no. So again, this is a massive shout out to, to, to Schmidtstorm for, for, for dropping that, that, uh, that shirt. I, I, I want to make it very clear. Like I, I don't podcast in the hope that I'm going to, I'm going to get fat loots or I'm going to make money. That's, that's not what I do. In fact, if anything with this podcast, I well, do, I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad someone <laughs> is, but, uh, for those who don't uh, realize this podcast actually costs me money. I, I don't, 
I haven't monetized it. I'm not here making ad revenue. It's, it's cash out of my pocket, but it's something that I do because I really enjoy. And what I enjoy the most is being able to connect to the listeners, uh, such as yourselves, whether it's in discord on Twitter at watch parties. Um, it, it motivates me to do more and I'm not going to lie. Schmidtstorm has motivated me to really step up our game and the ready set phone podcast is going nowhere. We were going to be here throughout the entire season, but I feel that, you know, it's upon me. Um, it's upon Sam Omni to bring you, you know, some top level content. And to that effect, we're going to be doing some really, really cool things coming up. We've got a lot of, uh, you know, things in the fire here. So hopefully we'll be able to share more soon. But again, Schmidt storm, I've mentioned your name six times, seven times, eight times. I'm going to mention it three more Schmidt storm, Schmidt storm, Schmidt storm. Thank you so much for those of you who are curious in the ready set Pwn discord. We've got some pictures here of, uh, him providing me that Jersey or that shirt. And, uh, I think, I believe I, I tweeted uh, one out, but I, I'll tweet it out again, just so that everyone can see. So again, Ami, thank you so much for that reminder. Any final words of wisdom for our listeners though? I'm just waiting for those two words coming from you. Ah, well, before I drop those two words, if you're looking for the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, you already listen to us. We are in every single podcast app there is known to mankind. We are online at Ready, Set, Pwn on Twitter. We are facebook.com slash Ready, Set, Pwn. We're on Instagram, Instagram at Ready, Set, Pwn. And if you ever wanted to drop us a line and get in touch with us, there are two ways to go about that. One, shoot us an email, the traditional route. That's feedback at readysetpone.com. Or if you go to readysetpone.com, there's a contact us page. You can just fill in the blanks there, drop that information our way, and we'll do our best to either address what it is that you've shared or, or get back in touch if you have any questions. And one last thing, it's been a while since we had a review. If you're listening to this podcast and you have not reviewed us on iTunes, please Drop us a review. Say five out of five stars when Sam's not there. I will read that verbatim, word for word, and, and give you the, the plaudits that you deserve. So on behalf of the Missing in Action, Sam at another Sam Chan, Omni at Omni Strife, and myself, Chris at Lightforce, that those two words that Omni has been waiting for are hatchrays. Thank you.